It's time for the Plan with Dan podcast, the show that will help you discover and achieve your true purpose for money and make you a more confident investor. We'll talk about sane and intelligent approaches to financial planning. Now, let's Plan with Dan. Well, hello, and welcome to another Plan with Dan podcast. I'm Mark Haywood alongside Dan Betzel. He is the founder of Betzel Wealth Advisors, serving you in the greater Columbus area with an office in Gahanna right there near the airport. Find him online at BetzelWealthAdvisors.com. That's BetzelWealthAdvisors.com. Or you can call 614-472-4510. That's 614-472-4510. Dan, welcome to the podcast. How are we doing? I'm doing great. How are you doing, Mark? Oh, wonderful. Glad to be with you again on the podcast today. I'm going to switch it up a little bit today, Dan, and we want to get ah. to know you just a little bit better. It's getting to know you time. That's right, Dan. From time to time, we just like to kind of take a pause from all the financial jargon out there and get to know you, the advisor, a little bit better, get to know your personality. Dan, I've got an interesting question for you here today. You ready? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. So we all know, you know, you're an expert in financial advice. You've done this for almost 20 years. But outside of that, if you're just stepping away from financial talk for a moment here, what is something else that you would consider yourself an expert in? Mm. Oh, my gosh. Well, I wouldn't consider myself an expert in it, but I would talk about something I'm really passionate about. Sure. Uh, I, I really love playing the alto saxophone. And, you know, I actually, when I started in college, I spent my first three years of college studying to become a music teacher. And I really, really enjoyed that a lot. Yeah, so I'm not an expert. I love it. And I've gotten to meet some cool experts <laughs> from time to time, but it is something I really, really enjoy. And for years, I played in the, uh, the Westerville concert band and every year we'd have a guest soloist. And if you're knowledgeable about the Columbus music scene, you probably have heard of Michael Cox. You know, he's a professor of saxophone at the Capitol University School of Music. And he also plays in the Columbus Jazz Symphony. And, you know, he's been a guest soloist at the Columbus Orchestra. And he was our soloist one year when I was playing in the Westerville concert band. And, you know, normally when the soloist comes and plays their practice piece, they leave. But he didn't leave. He turned back to the saxophone section and says, hey, guys, do you care if I come and play with you? <laughs> of course, we said, are you kidding? But that was a, quite an experience. And what I thought was really awesome is that when you sit next to somebody, you know, with his level of expertise and his level of musicmanship, you can't help but play a little better just because you're sitting next to him. And I thought that was such a cool experience to play the rest of the rehearsal sitting next to him. And he even went so far, if you could believe this, he took his mouthpiece off of his saxophone, which of course is a you know top of the line saxophone, handed it to me and took my saxophone. And we switched mouthpieces and I played his saxophone. So, oh man, that's uh, that, that awesome. That was really cool. Really, really cool. <laughs> a little brush with greatness there. Maybe another expert. <laughs> well, it's so cool is, is when you sit next to someone like that, it actually makes you play better. Sure, you yeah. learn. Yeah. You learn. You yeah, definitely absolutely. do. I mean, absolutely. it's like, Absolutely. It's like we talk about in finance all the time. You know, you're going to an expert to get advice because that makes you better in your financial Absolutely. life, of course. That's a great so, analogy. Fantastic. I, I, yeah. I'll tell you this quick saxophone story that I've always found to be amusing. When I was in college, I did acapella, and there was this guy in my group named David Gorlick. And uh -huh. David asked us, he said, hey, you know, my uncle's going to be in town doing a jazz concert on Friday night. Do you guys want to go? And I was like, no, I don't want to go to your 
uncle's one-off crummy jazz concert in some <laughs> smoky bar somewhere. So I was like, no, I don't really want to do that. And sure enough, a couple of the other guys go and they come back and they're like, dude, your uncle's Kenny G. What a great oh concert. My <laughs> oh my God. And I'd that blown him off. Mistake. <laughs> totally blown him off. Yeah. Oh man. Missed out on a goodie there. Yeah. Well, this has been getting to know Dan Betzel a little bit better. Let's move on. Keep the podcast going today and move on into the mailbag. Excellent. It's time for the mailbag. We want to hear from you. Well, let's take a question from the fine folks out there in the Columbus area. This one comes to us from Bridget in Pickerington. Bridget says, a friend of mine was telling me that the... (laughs) She says, I'm not even sure how to pronounce this. She even wrote that into the question. She says, a friend of mine was telling me that the fiduciary rule, fiduciary, has really changed the rules for financial advisors. My husband and I will be in the market for an advisor soon as we're approaching retirement. What do we need to know about this rule? Wow, that's a great question, Bridget, and thank you so much. You know, unfortunately, from my perspective, the government has pulled back on implementing the full, I think, impact of the fiduciary rule. But but basically, here's what it is. A fiduciary has to put your interests above his or her own and above any company or above any product. Kind of like when you go to a doctor or a lawyer, their number one goal has to be what's best for you. And there are some fiduciaries in the financial planning world, but here's what you have to know. Not all advisors are fiduciaries. If they are not a fiduciary, if they're a registered rep, then they are actually, their duty or who they put first, you know, is the company they're working for. So they don't have the same standard of care to you. So I think that's an excellent question. And I would encourage you, whenever you meet with a financial planner, ask them, are you a fiduciary? And I personally would recommend that you make the decision to work with a fiduciary. Why? It's not that all fiduciaries are bad or good and all registered reps are good or bad. It's not that at all. But the fiduciary has to put your interests number one. And I think you deserve that as an investor. Well, thanks for writing in, Bridget. And thank you for bringing up an interesting topic we've been hearing about lately. Be sure to work with someone who has your best interest at heart. This has been The Mailbag. Let's take a look at some of the psychology behind investment behavior. It's time for Mind Over Money. Well, it is time for Mind Over Money, one of my favorite segments, and I know it's one of yours, Dan, where we kind of get into that behavioral investing, the the mind behind the decisions that we're making, the psychology of it. Dan, teach us this week about hindsight bias. Oh, that's a great one. One of my favorite. It's kind of like we say like, oh, hindsight is twenty twenty. And what that means is that when we look back at something, we say, oh, that was obvious. And we kind of trick ourselves into saying that we knew that all along. In reality, we really didn't. So, you know, hindsight bias is this tendency, you know, to look for links and patterns that we think were there and that now we're convinced we saw them all along, but we really didn't. And we say, ah, oh, so we know what's going to happen in the future. You know, and why is this bad for your finances? Because even though the event may have been totally unpredictable, hindsight biases make us think or believe that not only was the event predictable, but that we actually could have predicted it. And so this creates enormous overconfidence. And so you think that you can see these patterns and these these events that are happening again, and it makes you think, based on your hindsight bias, that you know what's going to happen in the future. And in reality, of course, we don't. And often that causes us to make really, really poor decisions. So I would encourage people, you know, to think about, do I really know what's going to happen in the future? 
Because the answer is that we don't. Or am I using hindsight bias to convince myself and possibly make a really bad decision? That's hindsight bias in a nutshell. Rid yourself of these biases, make wise financial decisions. And as always, you can reach out to Dan and his team for help if you'd like to learn more about that. All right, Dan, let's dive into the meat of today's podcast. I want to cover five questions that you'd better be asking yourself in retirement. Yeah, they're great questions. And I guess I want to put it in context because often these are questions I ask people in response to the number one question they ask me. I mean, I was just asked this this morning. I mean, what do you think people ask me? What's the number one question when someone first comes to see me and do some pre-retirement planning? What do you think they ask me? Oh, gosh. Most important question, am I going to run out of money? Exactly. You know, do I have enough money to retire? And I have to say to them, well, great question, but it depends. And I want to help them dispel these general rules of thumb, you know, that often don't work. And I want to ask them. So the best response to their questions is, you know, follow up questions for me. And so, you know, I mean, the first question you really have to think about is, are you going to live in your current home, in your current community? Or are you going to do what people call downsize? But actually, I've had several clients that tell me it's not about downsizing. It's about right-sizing and get really clear. You know, often just by moving, you know, we can cut so many of their expenses. You know, you don't need the 3,000-square-foot home sitting on a half an acre with a three-car attached garage for the two of you. And we begin to explore it. And they're like, you know, well, I think we live like in three rooms or whatever. Now, for some people, they want that, you know, and they enjoy working out in the garden and they enjoy – spending all day Saturday, you know, cutting the grass and those type of things. But other people, you know, it's getting really clear about, you know, I think it's time for us to right size, to move to a smaller house, perhaps to move to a condo, to cut my expenses. So I think that's a great first question to ask yourself, you know, in response, do I have enough money to retire? Well, let's get really clear about what your housing expenses are going to be, where you're going to live. Some people tell me, you know, we really don't want to stay in Ohio anymore. I want to live six months in Ohio and I want to live six months in Florida, you know, or I want to move out to Phoenix or all of my children, someone just told me this, are in the Houston area. And I said to them, well, why don't you want to move to Houston? And they said, I think we do. So, of course, you know, those questions and the answers that you come up with for yourself and your family are going to greatly impact your retirement. Another question you need to be asking yourself, Dan, you've gotten into this just a little bit, but what will I change about my everyday lifestyle when I'm retired compared to now? Yeah, you know, it's really interesting because most people say, well, I'm not going to need all the money that I need now. I may only need 70%. And actually, the research shows in my own you know, anecdotal experience meeting with clients is that just is not the case. People actually need, can you believe this, closer to 120 to 125% wow. of their – now, why is that, right? Well, you know, you probably don't visualize your retirement of sitting at home doing nothing and eating oatmeal you know, all day long. You probably want to go visit the grandkids. I have clients right now that are on an extended three-week trip to France. I think they're in Brittany right now. You want to do these things that your whole life, you know, you've been saving for and you've been planning for and you want to enjoy yourself. Of course, that costs money. There's all kinds of expenses. It's not unusual for someone retired to come to me and say, you know, my grandson or my granddaughter just got into that school or this school and I want to give them a $10,000 gift to help them offset their tuition. I mean, these are all things people want to do. 
So it's really getting very clear about, you know, not only your everyday lifestyle, but what do you think your true costs are going to be? And I have a worksheet that I've developed. I'll gladly send it to anybody who asked me for it. You don't have to be a client. It's just a way to get you to really think about what is your everyday lifestyle going to be like when you're retired? You know, you might not be going to work anymore, but maybe you're going to play golf three times a week. That's not free either. Maybe you're going to want to you know, take some cooking classes and just enjoy all kinds of things that retirement can offer you. And it's just really smart to get really clear, to visualize that and to make sure you take the appropriate planning steps to make sure that you can actually do that in retirement. Well, and kind of a follow up to that lifestyle question, Dan, where do I want to travel in retirement? Yeah, that's a great question, too. It's a rare person that tells me they don't want to travel. Almost everybody wants to travel. They want to visit Europe. They want to go to the Middle East. They want to take a cruise. They want to visit the sites, you know, in South America. And, you know, I think it's absolutely a wonderful goal to have. I really enjoy hearing people talk about their dreams and then actually hearing about them when they come back. And again, getting really clear about what that costs. I have another set of clients right now that are in Ireland on a Celtic music tour, something they wanted to do their whole life. And it's really fun to get every day or so, I get a snapshot or so of them at some different you know, Celtic or Celtic concert. I'm not sure how you pronounce it exactly. And it's really fun to know I've had a very small part in making that happen for them. Of course, it's their hard work, it's their determination, it's their saving, but I was able to, you know, to play a minor role in helping them achieve that goal. And it's very, very satisfying for me. And I know it's very satisfying for them. So travel is really, really important. And that brings me to my next point, talking about a financial legacy. And it's much more than just money. Um, Often it is taking the time maybe to tell their family story. I had, it was about a year or so ago now, but I had clients that were immigrants and wow, they lived like the total American dream. I mean, they actually came here on a boat with like $8 in their pocket, you know, and then Three and a half, four decades later, they're selling a you know a dental practice, and all of the American dream you can imagine: putting kids through college and buying a house and traveling and education. And you know how important the grandkids didn't really even know the story. You know they know their grandparents weren't born in the United States because they have an accent, but that's it. But like, what a beautiful legacy to take the time to write out the story, to record the story. You know, how powerful it will be for even great-grandchildren that they may never meet to actually hear the voices, you know, of their great-grandparents and to hear the story in their own words and to know that they are a part of that great legacy, you know, of fulfilling the American dream. And I just think that's like so important. And it's not even talking about the money and the taxes. You know, that's all important too. But but don't forget about these, say, intangible or non-tangible elements of your legacy and how important and how inspiring that can be to your family. Well, Dan, if you are preparing to retire, you're just getting started and want to know the right first steps to take. I understand that you've developed a toolkit that folks can get on your website or by calling in. What is the toolkit and how do we get it? Absolutely. Just reach out to me any way you can. It can be call in the office. It can be email. You can actually go directly to my website and request it. And I call it the Retirement Toolkit. It's going to have a book that I co-authored about five steps for a successful retirement. There's a CD in there. There's a white paper in there. I'm also including some questions that are very, very important for you to consider as you get close to retirement. And there's also a couple worksheets that help you begin to get really clear about what your retirement income needs are going to be 
and how the steps that you can take to begin to see if you can meet those income needs. So hopefully it's a useful practical toolkit that'll get you pointed in the right direction and asking the right questions. Yes, it's a great way to get started and you can get that retirement rescue toolkit online at BetzelWealthAdvisors.com. That's BetzelWealthAdvisors.com. Or you can call 614-472-4510. That's 614-472-4510. Again, two great ways to get the Retirement Rescue Toolkit online at BetzelWealthAdvisors.com or by calling 614-472-4510. Dan, as always, thank you for joining us on the podcast. Thank you. We'll do it all again next time on Plan With Dan. Fee-based financial planning and investment advisory services are offered by Betzel Wealth Advisors, LLC, a registered investment advisor in the state of Ohio.